The Slichos and Erev Rosh Hashanah, which this year, Tavshin Ayin Bey, is becoming Tavshin Ayin Gimel, is the seventh set of Slichos. The Slichos and Erev Rosh Hashanah are very, very long. They normally take anywhere between an hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending upon who's saying and what shul, what type of setting, although it's been known to take longer, as I'm sure it could also be accelerated to be much quicker. Um, many, many slichos. Uh, I don't, I didn't take account, but I would approximate probably somewhere close to 20 slichos or said, 20 different sections. I'm, I'm paging myself through my own slichos now, so, uh, in my slichos, it starts with number 20, and, um, goes till number 40. So it's really about 20 slichos with interactive yudgimomidos harachamim. And in the end of the slichos, during the part of the slichos when we normally recite the vidui and we recite a few tachanunim, in the end of the slichos we quote a very, very interesting, I would call it vidui, but it's really very, very multifaceted, a very interesting section which was authored primarily, the gist of which was authored by Rabbeinu Sajigal, one of the more well-known geonim. Rabbeinu Sajigal lived in the latter half of the 9th century and the early part of the 10th century. And he's well-known for Two other works of his, one work being his Emunos Videos, a very highly rationalized view of Judaism and its tenets of belief. He and the Rambam were primarily responsible for tilting Judaism to more of a rationalist bent, away from Kabbalah, and then, of course, the swing back to Kabbalah in the later Rishonim. And he's also known for a Sefer HaMitzvos, which he wrote as a poem, very short, abbreviated Sefer HaMitzvos. Of course, there's been a lot of work done recently on that sefer, trying to get at what he meant, what his definitions of mitzvahs were, because he's not really very elaborative. He writes almost coded references. It's one of the earliest sefer on mitzvahs to be written. Anyway, he wrote a tefillah, um, which is very, very clearly oriented to be said, Arab Rosh Hashanah. In the beginning... The tefillah begins, May it be your will. This year should be a good year, a year when we no longer suffer, when we're no longer in Golis. And then the tefillah ends, similarly, that uh, the year should be a year of uh, success in Rachamim, should renew a year of prosperity and a year of finding favor in your eyes and a year of redemption. So right off the bat, it's very, very different than the other slichos. The other slichos are really time-independent. They could be said at any point of the year. Some of them may have, be written for, may have been written for Rosh Hashanah. Some of them may have been written in a general penitentiary or, or penitence mode of trying to ask for slichos from HaKadosh Baruch and then they were adopted. It's hard to know whether they were written specifically for slichos or written in a general term. But this tefillah was written specifically for this time period of Rosh Hashanah. I can't say that it was written specifically for Arab Rosh Hashanah, but it was clearly written for this period. Now, it wasn't all written by Sajigal. It was a very authoritative work because of his stature. He was one of the great luminaries amongst the Gonin. But because the work was so important, it was really written and adopted by all traditions. Interestingly enough, both Svartic traditions as well as Ashkenazic traditions. And it's one of the only items said during Slichos, aside from obviously the Yud Kimonidos, which is said both in Svart and in Ashkenaz, because it predates those divisions. And then it was added to, and sections were added, and some say there were actually sections added, in the 17th century, after the great uh, Chorban of the Chamanitsky Rebellion, in the 1660s, 1650s and 1660s. So it's hard to know which pieces are original, which pieces are added, but it's clear that uh, the, 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 the backbone, the spine of this tefillah, was authored by Rabbeinu Sajigal. 
Now, I mentioned before this tefillah is a very, very, it's, it's a mosaic, it's a kaleidoscope of different genres. And I just want to try to iterate. And unfortunately, it's said at the end of the slichos, and many people are winded by that time. They're already tired, they've gotten up early. They said a lot of slichos, they're waiting for chakras to begin, their minds are ready on Rosh Hashanah. And people breeze by this davening. It's really just a beautiful, beautiful tefillah. If you take a little bit of time, especially this year, you're either listening to this recording, if you are Erev Shabbos or Basif Shabbos, but if you're listening to Erev Shabbos, you have an entire Shabbos to take a quick glance at this tefillah at the end of Slichos and Rosh Hashanah and just try to at least know what it refers to. Um, what I find interesting about this is as follows. It's a combination of, I would say, five different, uh, five different genres. On the one hand, it's Vidui. There's a Vidui in which he's confessing his sins, it's much more personal than some of the standardized viduyim, which we recite throughout Yom Kippur, throughout the Slichos, the Yashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, the Elchit Shechatanu Lefanacha, which we recite on Yom Kippur, which were poeticized a little bit in order to follow the Aleph Beis, Aleph Beis Gimel. Each Alchet has two Alchets dedicated to a sin that starts with that letter. This is much, much more personal. In fact, it's very reminiscent of another, when I say personal vidui, I don't mean Moshe Tarragon's Vidu. I mean, personal, as if taking it into personal terms, you and your Chatayim, not different terms person by person, but, for example, there's a, there's a, a part on, uh, in the middle, I guess it's all in the middle, that says as follows, If HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you'll accept Tshuva and Vidu, here we are, performing Tshuva, confessing our sins, the next line, if you want prayers, and you want petitions, here we are davening, and we're going to daven throughout the entire next week, Rosh Hashanah Kippur. If crying and screaming is what you need, well, we may not be crying. It's a very, very potent moment, but at least inside of us we're crying. You may not see the tears, but in our deepest recesses, in our private moments, we're full of tears and rage. And if a broken spirit will atone for our sins, then our hearts are broken, and our spirits are, are disgruntled from all that we've been through as a people. So, it's taking Vidu and making it much more emotional, much more compelling, rather than these general... And obviously, even when you recite the general terms of Vidu, it shouldn't just be nice little poems. You should try to personalize them and track them or trace them to personal failures and personal flaws. But this is very similar to the tefillah called Tefillah Zaka, which we recite right in the beginning of Yom Kippur, even before Kol Nidre. Again, that's a tefillah that many people omit, not intentionally, but as you come to Shul Soleil, and you're rushing for Kol Nidre, and you're cleaning up from the meal. It's really a tefillah that people should spend a little more time thinking about, and which Vidoy is not just articulated in institutionalized, um, you know, organizational terms, but you go through each part of your body, and you try to locate the various sins that that body part has been responsible for, and you try to itemize the experiences in Yom Kippur that that body part will suffer through, and hopefully the suffering, so to speak, of Yom Kippur will atone for that body's involvement and chait. Um, so it's partially vidui. It's partially a slicha. Um, and there are parts that are very, very reminiscent of slicha. So uh, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu in very poetic terms, look at our suffering and our work. Habet ba'amaleinu. Look how much we've labored in Golis. Vialta habet b'ma'amaleinu. And don't look at our um, violations. So the words rhyme as they would in classic slichos. Look at our poverty, bi'anyenu. And don't look at our sins, avoneinu. So taking two words, one being our suffering, one being our failures, 
And they're very similar phonetically and etymologically and saying, look at this, look at our suffering, look at how much we've worked, look at how much we've been punished and persecuted, and don't look at our fate. So there's that slicha. It's not just a visa, what we failed at, but look at our, look at Jewish history and take that as compensation. So it's partially a vidui. It's partially a slicha. It's partially a kina. Very, very similar. There are parts that are extremely similar to kinos. And I mentioned so often, so many of the slichos reference the suffering and the struggle of Jewish history. But not like this. I mean, there's a part of the, of Rav Sajagon's writing, maybe his writing, maybe others, some claim may have been added in the 17th century, in which pogroms are being described, not, in the, not with the word pogrom, but think of all the martyrs who despised their own life, I'm paraphrasing, and submitted their will to your will and sacrificed and sanctified your name and ran for sacrifice and stretched their necks out, their necks out and withstood the tremendous challenge and they were purified and they were found to be complete and wholesome and the blood of fathers touched their children and the blood of mothers Merciful mothers were mixed with the blood of their babies, and brothers and sisters' blood was mixed, and husbands and wives, and older people, and wise people. I mean, this is really taken straight from Kinos. It's more of a Kino than most of the Kinos. It's really describing scenes of death and destruction and suffering, and Amisol suffering. So it's Vidui, it's a Slicha, it's a Kino, and a prayer for Rosh Hashanah, for a a healthy and, and prosperous year. And it's also really a... What would I call it? It's the State of the Union. Um, it's looking back at where we've been and where we're heading as the year passes into the next year. And it's a, a sweep of Jewish history, and it's a frustrating sweep because he so acknowledges how downtrodden the Jews are and how long we've been suffering and how much we've survived and how much faith it's taken. Um, it, it's reminiscent of other State of the Unions. If you look at Jewish history until that point, it's clear that Moshe Rabbeinu realizes he's in transition. And as he's about to die on that last day, he essentially delivers Sefer Devarim, which is his state of the union. Where's our state of people? What have we been through the last 40 years? Where are we heading? What are my hopes for you? Um, Ezra and Daniel each gave partial state of the unions because they knew they were living through transitional times in Bavel, moving back there, so particularly Ezra. And a lot of those statements of both of them make their way into what we call Tachnun, especially the longer Tachnun, which we say on Mondays and Thursdays. So they had a sense that they were at the transition. I'm now preparing this year in Yeshivat HaRetzion in Eretz Yisrael, and I'm recording this year on Thursday, and hopefully I'll post it sometime tonight. In about another hour, one of the Mashkichim in Yeshiva will be giving his annual State of the Union. Where does Yeshiva stand? Where do we stand? How can we become a better Yeshiva? How can the boys do better? Where, where is the room for improvement? It's a very, very... Um, popular part of the year in the Aserit Semei Tshuva and the year of Rosh Hashanah. It's the sense that we're passing into a new year. And I don't know if, if Sajigon had that sense. I don't know enough of his history and where he lived and how he operated. But certainly that sense of state of the union is very suitable and very, very appropriate for Rosh Hashanah. Because you're passing into a new year and that's the time you want to think about where we stand as a people, where we're heading as a people. So it's this combination of so many different genres all wrapped up into one that makes the tefillah so fascinating. And again, unfortunately, people say it at the tail end of two-hour-plus slichos, and everyone's just very fatigued. And if you really concentrate on what you're saying, maybe have a translation for those who find the Hebrew hard. It's not really hard Hebrew. It's really just a fascinating, very original tefillah. Um, the two times he actually quotes psukim. Obviously, the entire text is laced with psukim and hep, psukim and phrases that are referenced from psukim. 
But twice he says, Kasher Amarta. Once he says, it's praiseworthy for you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to treat us with mercy and to show us your mercy, Kasher Amarta, like you told us. And he's going to quote a Pasuk. And you'd think he'd quote the classic Pesukim. There's so many Pesukim over these two, three weeks that repeat themselves again and again. The familiar Pesukim. Probably is a set of 20 or so psukim that we repeat almost on a daily basis. Then they become etched in our consciousness. And you would expect him to quote that Pasuk. Instead he quotes a Pasuk from Yeshaya Memchas, which, as far as I know, we don't say at all. At all in the Tfilas of Rosh Hashanah, in the Tfilas of Yom Kippur, there are hardly any references to it in our Slichos. Pasik says, Laman Shemi, for the sake of my name, Arich Api, I will extend my anger, I won't be quick fused, Hashem says, Utehilasi, and it's my praise, it's my glory, Echtemlach, I will forgive you, Levilteachrisacha, not to exterminate you, not to destroy you. And that's the Pasik that Rabbi Sajagon inserts into his Tfilah asking Akadish Baruch Hu for mercy. It just shows that he was operating, as we say, out of the canon. Uh, he, he was really writing a very fresh tefillah. He wasn't bound by any genre. His tefillah is, is a genre unto itself. It doesn't follow any of the other four or five. It's a combination of all of them. And the next pasuk he quotes, two lines later, he says, it's indeed, it's really restating it, it's your greatest trait that you overlook sin and you offer atonement and absolution, as it says about your people. And he quotes a pasuk in Mishlei that talks about human behavior. Seichel Adam Herichapa, wise people are are long tempers, they're not quick fused. Vitif and it's the splendor and majesty of a person of oral Pasha. So it's not even a Pasik describing Hashem. Now, obviously it describes their bonus because all of our moral improvement is based on his image. And if we do this it's because we think he Baruch, exhibits this and demonstrates this. But these are the Mishle Paraview tests. These are completely, completely original Psukim. And it just it, it strikes at the heart of the originality, the freshness of this Slicha that it covers so many different genres, so many different issues. I, I guess the last thing I would say is, it's. I spoke about how personal it is before, unlike some of the Vidois that are just very institutional feeling. Everyone chants together, and there's a meaning and a power to the common chant, but it's also, it becomes a little bit, I wouldn't say dry, but it becomes a little bit institutionalized, a little bit too organized. And here it's a much more personal look at, if, if you need this from us, then we'll give you this part of our truth. If you need crying, we may not summon tears, but they exist within us. Um, there's also more of a direct conversation. It's like you're talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, most of these slichos are referencing Hashem, but they are public cries that the Jewish people should be saved, that we should get truth. Obviously, we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but we don't address Him in the first person. There's a lot of addressing Hashem in the first person. In the second paragraph, again, depending upon the slichos, Ve'ata Hashem, chashavta litzrof siginu. You wanted to purify our flaws, and therefore you put us into galus. And then the next paragraph, Ve'ata Hashem, elokei Yisrael, elokeinu, go'el Yisrael, our God and our Redeemer. Haliolam tenaf banu, will you always be irate with us? Elokeinu, boshinu v'maseinu, we're embarrassed. Ana Hashem, hakel ha'gadol ha'gibovinu, please Hashem, Ve'ata Hashem elokeinu, so there's almost every paragraph speaks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It speaks to Hashem in a confessional mode, speaks to Hashem in a slicha mode, speaks to Hashem in a kina mode. And it's just a very, very unusual piece of the slichos for that purpose, for that reason. 
and it pays to take a few moments, especially this year where it's said right after Shabbos, just to familiarize yourself with some of the words and some of the goings-on and some of the phenomena which occur within the slicha, so that it's said, uh, it's just a very emotional part of the slicha. This is a part which I know personally touches me very deeply when I say it each year, in part because it's so personal and because it generates a conversation with the Kaddish Baruch Hu on behalf of Amisol, on behalf of everything we've suffered. I hope these shiurim have been helpful in drawing attention to some of the highlights of the slichos and helping enrich the actual recital of the slichos. Obviously, these are languages and genres that we don't practice too much. Obviously, we practice the Hebrew language, but the genre of appearance in general is not something that most of us are that familiar with, but it's a really beautiful world, touches upon some very beautiful ideas. Uh, they certainly are not monolithic. Each kina and each slicha has its own theme. And if you take a few moments to familiarize, it can really deepen the experience. Everyone should have a kasiva of a chasimatova lanu ulukolamisa.